Hi guys, it's Kara, host of Everyone's Business But Mine. And let's be real, one thing that makes the show possible is by selling sponsorships to advertisers. One way you can support us in getting more sponsors is by telling us a little bit more about yourself. You can do that by filling out a quick survey at the link in the show description. Plus, your answers are anonymous. They'll help us learn what you love most about the show and how to make it even better. The questions will ask you about the things that help advertisers understand the audience. It'll only take a few minutes, and it's an easy way to help the show. So you can find the link in the show description. Thank you so much, and stay tuned for the rest of the show. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Welcome to another episode of Everyone's Business But Mine with me, Kara Berry. We've made it through yet another week, and it was a week so crazy that it really wasn't even that big a deal that apparently there are UFOs, definitely UFOs, out there invading our airspace, and there's nothing to be done about it except for, frankly... I think America's so trashed that, like, what what, are the, what could the aliens want from us at this point? They're like, oh, girl, the ghetto. So, always trying to look on the upside here. <laughs> and I think that might be it. What should we start with? Something really depressing? I think so. Um, I'm going to give a little update on the Lori Vallow situation. She appeared in court last Tuesday and had her bail increased from $1 million to $2 million. And there have been really no major updates in terms of who they believe killed J.J. or Tylee. Um, I think I told you guys last time there were pings with her brother, her now deceased brother, Alex. Um, He, they moved into a, an apartment complex at first together, then he moved out and found an apartment in the building very close to Lori. But now that he is dead and it has been confirmed that he died of natural causes, 
it's really muddied up the waters as to why Lori and Chad have not been charged with murder. First of all, <laughs> I just want to say shout out to them because all of this alleged murder, all of this stuff is there like prophecy people, end of the world Second coming of Christ people, they thought that this was going to be happening on July 22nd of this year. We're now, um, as of release of this episode, five days out from that. So I guess they got the news wrong on that. Apparently, according to reports from jail, Chad doesn't really say much. He spends a lot of his time reading the Bible. And they really, as far as like what they think may have happened they really can't say anything more definitive other than the fact that they had these like extreme religious beliefs, um, as a motive for, for killing and hiding the remains of JJ and Tylee. Um, obviously, like I said, the biggest question is like, why have they not been charged with murder? They have been charged with, um, destruction of evidence. And I think some sort of like conspiracy, no, just destruction of evidence in, in terms of the deaths of the kids. So basically why they have not happened is because of Alex, because of the pings to his cell phone. The last time the kids were both seen together that night, Alex was pinged in Lori's apartment building. And then later, this was like late at night, like, Two, three o'clock in the morning, four o'clock in the morning, at a time where, according to cell phone records, he would not have typically been in her apartment. And then I believe the following day, his phone pinged at Chad's property around the location of where the children were found buried. And that was like for a time, I believe, of 17 minutes he was there before he left. Detectives don't believe that it's possible that he could have buried both of the children in the 17 minutes that he was there, that he probably had received some sort of assistance. But, of course, because Alex is dead, they really can't, you know, like, get a clear idea of what happened unless Lori or Chad explain what happened. My assumption is... Chad and Lori hyped each other up with all their conspiracy theories, their religious beliefs. They believed that the kids were zombies, that they would be better off dead. What Alex had to do with all of that, I don't know. I believe he also shared the same beliefs that they did. Um, who's, but then it's like, who's to say? Because Alex is the only person who was seen or whose cell phone pings at both locations, both the location where the children were last seen and the location of their burial. Um, beyond that, it's like there's really no through line, especially when the main culprit <laughs> is dead. But it's very obvious that there is some sort of connection, all three of them, like you don't just bury kids don't end up buried at some person's house unbeknownst to them 
and they just also so happen to be the children of the wife that you married weeks after your um, wife mysteriously dies of what he claims were natural causes. She has been exhumed. Her body's been exhumed. There's a an autopsy there. I don't believe have been any results that have been released in terms of that. So it seems like the detectives are doing what they can to like try and piece things together. And they also believe that this is going to be the month where we have some real watershed moments in terms of finding out bombshell information, what ties everybody together, what happened to these children, blah, blah, blah. Um, if you guys don't want me to get too descriptive, I would, here's your chance. You get three seconds before to, uh, fast forward before I get into it. It'll be probably just a minute. Um, here you go. So apparently one of the kids, um, Tylee was burned past the point of recognition. However, JJ was not. And they, when they dug up the bodies, they knew immediately that it was JJ. They could tell through his face. It was a harder time with Tylee. Um, so yeah, I mean, I am really interested in seeing what happens, what we learn, what happened to Chad's ex-wife, how we find out that he, she passed away. Very, very curious. Um, what else can I say? Oh, here's another topic. Let's do it. Hope you guys are comfy cozy because we're heading into the Kardashian corner. I, you know, I still hold true to my not quite promise, but you know, my proclamation that I didn't really want to talk about the Kanye Twitter storm of it all, whatever's happening with him. I don't want to talk about it. But I also do because there are two tweets that I really think were very juicy and interesting. So those two tweets were from Kanye, obviously, that he tweeted um, Drake with that hmm emoji. You know what I mean? The one with like the little yellow face with your with its hands over its mouth. Like what's going on there? That guy. So he posted Drake in that emoji. And then a couple tweets later, he posted Larsa and then emoji. So to give you guys a little bit of backstory in terms of the Drake and Kanye beef, it has been going on for at least probably two years now in terms of uh, Kanye rather being suspicious that Drake and Kim potentially hooked up. That has been a rumor for quite some time. Drake has not denied it. And in fact, if, if anything, he's added fuel to the fire by like saying that I have a secret about Kanye that would blow his whole world up, his whole life up. If I told it, he's been threatening this now for like three years. Um, Kanye also tweeted, uh, you know, alluding to the fact that maybe Kim had hooked up with Meek Mill one time when they went to the Waldorf. A hotel together to talk about prison reform. TMZ posted a picture of them earlier this week having lunch with one of Kim's, uh, I, I believe she is one of the women that she is doing her like lawyer apprenticeship, apprenticeship with, or definitely is working closely with her in terms of prison reform. So 
I don't know. Apparently that picture of them just having lunch together was supposed to debunk the fact that, like, Kim didn't just go to the Waldorf to have a hookup with Meek Mill. Do I believe that she fucked Meek Mill? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> I think Kim knows that she can do much better. And I think... I think Kim's days of rappers are probably over. And I think even if they weren't... Meek Mill. Girl. <laughs> Especially when it's too messy. When Nicki Minaj and, and Meek were in a relationship... Obviously, Kanye and Nikki are close. Kim and Nikki have a relationship with each other. We saw on an episode of um, Keeping Up where she had a conversation with her on the phone, like linking her and Kanye together, working on an album for, or not an album, but a song. Why Kim needed to be involved in that, I don't know, but it seems like they have a pretty close relationship. Or at least a, you know, a nice relationship where they can be working with each other with like in terms of music together well Kanye's music um I don't believe that at all but Larsa Pippin I would maybe ask if you need to be bringing yourself to the red table but nobody likes you that much it's not really that important it is important to me because of the Jordan of it all like I said Kanye tweeted Larsa question face Tuesday night. Um, and there was a, you know, the streets are always watching you guys. The Twitter streets are always watching. And apparently somebody found a tweet liked by one Jordan Woods, um, from a person named Maya at Kiyoshi warrior. She tweeted, Okay, so the only thing I peeped from that man's rant is that Larsa Pippen slept with Tristan, but didn't get dragged like Jordan did because he kissed her. You dust buckets kept your mouths closed and just unfollowed that white woman and literally tried to destroy Jordan. Only 12 people liked the tweet at the time of that screenshot, one of those people being Jordan. I believe it. I fully believe it. To add on to that rumor apparently Drake and Kim hooked up the, around the same time that Tristan and Jordan hooked up so, or not Tristan and Larsa pick hooked up so this would have been pre the kiss with Jordan and Tristan so mm, I don't think I don't think Jordan is that invested in being messy in terms of the situation anymore like I think if she's gonna like a tweet like that it's gotta be true there's gotta be something that she knew and she heard and if this happened before she kissed Tristan then she obviously would have been very much in the fold with that family to know that this was happening my question though is like why would they just now unfollow her why would they I wonder about why Larsa went so hard in her defense of Chloe when that shit came, went down with Jordan and Tristan to the point where Kim had to call Larsa and be like, girl, like, calm down, stop posting videos about how you're like going to pull up on Jordan <laughs> or whatever. <laughs> she didn't say that, but you know what I mean? Basically threatening Jordan in defense of Chloe. And 
I, I'm, I don't know y'all. So once people found that tweet, they went and looked at, you know, as you do, the next step would be seeing who the Kardashians are following. They saw that Kim no longer followed Larsa. There was a, an article that came out on TMZ that said basically what happened towards the end of last year is that Kim basically did like a clean sweep of all of her Twitter followers or Instagram followers, deleted everybody, and then started following like close friends and family. But we've always known Larsa to be, or at least in the past few years, to be very close with Kim and the rest of the Kardashians. So it wasn't just that Kim unfollowed her, it was Chloe and I think Courtney, even though Chloe and Courtney still follow Larsa on Twitter, they were not following, none of them were following her on Instagram. And I think she unfollowed them as well. So the story was that like, this was just like a harmless thing that they had like not been as close lately, but it, they still liked each other. They were still friends. They just weren't friends like besties like they used to be. And in fact, Larsa had gone over to Kim's recently. And so there's really no bad blood between them. I call bullshit. I think that they weren't going to risk another scandal in terms of Tristan. It's very obvious that Chloe has no intentions of breaking up with this man. It is very obvious that she still wants to be together with him, have more little babies with him. And, you know, <laughs> live in whatever version of domestic bliss a perpetual cheater could possibly give you. Thank God for her. Um, NBA players are getting caught with COVID left and right. So it's, you know, <laughs> is the NBA really going to happen this year? I don't know. She might be lucky and, and have him in uh, Calabasas for another season. I, y'all, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Larsa's a... Slop kebab. Larsa had tweeted, 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 cheated on Scotty Pippen, her husband of a couple decades, twice with Future. Future. King of the fuckboys. So you don't think she would also be interested in the crown prince, Tristan? Girl, I believe it. I fully, fully believe it. <sighs> Let me know what you guys think. Do you believe that they would be willing to hide? I mean, listen, I've I've been very vocal on my personal Twitter about the fact that, like, I just have very mixed feelings about what we should and shouldn't be blaming the Kardashians for. Um... But, and, you know, what it is and is not calculating about them, I think people put a lot of, how do I say this? I think people have just automatic expectations that everything that they do, everything that happens in their family, in their universe is calculated, is for the show, is for publicity, is for business, is for money. And that can't always be true. Like, we know that. Like, it can't literally always be true. There are going to be outside forces. People are going to do what they want. 
we're all humans here. These people are not like computers <laughs> that are set to generate publicity to themselves. Not everything can be ca calculated because there are other people that live in this universe, right? Like, I don't want to give them all the credit in the world, but like, at some point we have to understand that things are out of the Kardashians' control. Like, the devil works hard, but Kris Jenner works harder is funny, and it's true to a certain extent, but it's not true 100%. I think people put too much, give them too much power in that sense. But with that being said, I also believe that there are a lot of things that we have not heard, a lot of bodies that are buried, a lot of scandals that they don't want to get into because... And this would be like a perfect example if Jordan and that situation was such a huge deal, then it would make all the sense in the world that if this were to happen again, and like you guys, and this is a, a perfect example of them not being calculated, like, of course Tristan's going to cheat again. And it wouldn't surprise me if it was somebody that they were friends with and, you know, knew closely. It would make all the sense in the world that they would not want to make another big deal up about this because of Chloe, because it's like, damn, this happened again, girl. Damn, y'all. <laughs> again? The same wound, Flav? So, yeah, it, it makes sense to me that this would be one of the occasions that they would want to control the situation and that they would want to bury the situation. I think Larsa is messy as fuck. We all know that Tristan's messy as fuck. And yeah, that's just my opinion. Okay. So you guys, I think we need to talk about this celebrity couple. It's been a long time coming. Comprised of an entrepreneur and an entertainer. Two people who are very into aesthetics. Um, very like much kind of futurist sort of people. A couple that really makes no sense and all the sense in the world together. The man part of the relationship has lately become known for his, like, strange Twitter musings. And the woman has really come into her own and kind of gained both empathy, sympathy, and also the very opposite of those two words for procreating with somebody who morally she doesn't seem to align with. Um, those people are Grimes and Elon Musk. Why? Who did you think I was talking about? <laughs> We'll get to them next. Um, but both have found a way, I think, to like kind of commodify their sort of like weird, eccentric personalities. And it seems like they're like trapped in this relationship where like they're both weird and they're both these like Grimes is like, you know, like a weird pixie witch lady who's also an alien android thing and he is so into, like, being in the future and, you know, inhabiting Mars and being, like, the emperor of Mars. He called, he's going to call himself, apparently. And I just feel like, I just have very complicated uh, feelings about them. I think that ladies and fellas, we have to stop falling in love with people who do not have the same morals as us and in this day and age do not hold the same political beliefs as us. Elon's been getting in a lot of trouble for the things that he said on Twitter. 
let's just be real. This over the weekend, he tweeted, and it's still up, pronouns suck. And Grimes responded to him like, I love you, but like, please turn your phone off or, or like, give me a call. Like, turn your Wi-Fi off, babe. Like, I, but I love you, blah, blah, blah. And it just made me feel like, ooh. My first, honestly, my first reaction was like, I felt really bad for her. But then I thought, Kara, you have to stop thinking of this girl's 19. She's very close in age to you, frankly. <laughs> I think we're less than two years apart. I think she, the girl's 32. So to automatically think that like she does not have any sort of responsibility or like she's sort of trapped in this relationship could not be further from the truth. Even if she were not a successful musician in her own right, like, she comes, I believe, from, like, quite a wealthy, privileged family background. So, you know, I, I, my empathy from her for her really got lost. So there was an article that came out um, this weekend, a few days ago, and it's mostly about Elon, but Claire Grimes pops in. They have, like, a very weird telling conversation. First of all, let's go back to 2018, in which Elon had these weird tweets coming out talking about how he was going to be going private, how Tesla was going to be going private, and that he was going to be selling stock at $420 a pop. And he says, you know, he ended up getting in a whole heap of trouble, like $20 million worth of trouble with the SEC, and he addresses it in this article like oh it was going to be 419 valued at 419 but i i bumped it up to 420 just to make grimes laugh like imagine what a weird thing to say i bumped up my shares a dollar to make a 420 joke for my girlfriend this man is 49 years old let me not forget <laughs> um so he ended up getting in a whole lot of trouble for that then we find out that Grimes and Azealia Banks were collaborating for Azealia's album that has still not come out. That's another story for another day. But uh, Azealia starts getting on Instagram stories talking about how they're supposed to be collaborating on this album. Grimes invited me over to Elon's house to finish up, like, just do the finishing touches on the tracks that they were working on. But now she had been at his house for days at Elon's house and Grimes was nowhere to be found. She felt trapped there. She didn't know what was going on. She said, recalled there being moments of like, you know, so she was there at the time that he tweeted all that stuff about his stocks and how he was, like, freaking out and how Grimes had told him, her, that, like, he doesn't know how to not tweet or how to handle his tweets when he's on acid. <laughs> Basically, like, outing him that he was on drugs when he said that, like, highly illegal shit. Um, how she basically felt, like, like, imprisoned there. She called him ugly. Um, she said that they were basically weird. I think she may have alluded to the fact that they were, like, trying to talk her into a threesome. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think that may have happened. Um, 
so they talk about that situation in the article. So it goes on to say, the scandal hit warp speed when Azealia Banks, the rapper who relishes tangling with celebrities and who happened to be at Mr. Musk's house, then to work on a music with Grimes, posted an unflattering Instagram story about what she described as a meltdown inside his house. This I thought was very weird. Grimes told Rolling Stone that the the issue was a sad, dark thing. I just like forgive her and forgiving is really, really hard. She recalled that she lost it. I felt I had caused the downfall of everything that I care for and everyone that I care about. She said, adding that Elon calmed her down by snapping his fingers in front of her face and telling her to snap out of it because you have to be in a battle right now. And to which I say, excuse me? Let a man snap in my face <laughs> over something that, like, he did. So basically, you dosed yourself with acid, fucked up your whole world. Azealia outed you guys for the fact that, like, he was tripping, both literally and figuratively. And she is understandably upset, I guess. Is that, under- you know, in a sense. And the fact that, like, it just seems like their relationship is very, like, even though they're both like, oh, we're so weird, we belong together, blah, 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 like, nobody understands us, like, they still seem to ascribe to these, like, traditional gender roles that, like, makes me really uncomfortable, because it does really seem like she just doesn't know how to get herself out of the situation. I don't want to call him abusive, but I will call him an asshole, for sure. (laughs) Um... It's just weird. I I wonder, like, I want to know you guys' thoughts on their relationship. I wonder where we go from here. Like, that baby's got that fucked up name. That real fucked up name. He's tweeting about taking the red pill, which is like a true dog whistle for the right wing constituency. And she's here being like, babe, I love you. But like... Can we not talk about this on the internet with your millions and millions of Twitter followers? Like, girl, where are we, you know, get some pixie dust from wherever you seem to be harvesting it and break up with this man. He talks about in the New York Times article that like, you know, it's basically Grimes' responsibility to raise their baby right now and that like, He'll really step in when the baby gets older and like, this kid has, this man has like several children already from his, this woman that he has married twice now. (laughs) And now when they got older, he was so responsible for like, oh, when I had like a meeting at Tesla in China, I would take them to the Great Wall or we would take a bullet train or blah, blah, blah. And it's like, are you actually raising them or are you just taking them on trips that happen to coincide with your business trips. Like, that 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 does not a father make, sir. Okay? These poor kids. I mean, thank God they got better names than HTTP colon slash slash SpaceX.com. You know? <laughs> I just... Talk to me, you guys. Tell me what you think. Should we feel for little Grimesy, little Claire... Or should she get out of that situation as soon as she can? You know, find yourself a little stockbroker. You'll be fine. As long as he loves you, you'll be fine. Okay. What happens this week? What am I recapping? 
gonna start off with Love After Lockup, and then I will get into the Real Housewives of Beverly Hills crazy episode with the Brandy Bomb Drop with one Troy McEady of the Dunzo Podcast. Listen to it. We had a great conversation. Thank you guys so much for listening. Thank me for speaking. Love you. Bye. A little nerve-wracking, but I'm holding her together. You ever been to this prison before? I've been up here to visit a couple of times. Does she know you're pulling up with a limo, or she just knows you're coming today? She knows I'm coming, has no idea about the limo. So this is all going to be a big surprise. Absolutely. She doesn't even know we're getting married, so, uh... Oh, she don't even know about this? No, I haven't asked her yet. Oh, okay. Well, let's hope she says yes and she's all for it. (laughs) Everybody says that. Back again for episode two of Love After Lockup, and I already have a headache. The mess did not let up. I love this show. I'm obsessed with it. I'm so blessed. I'm feeling God in this chilies tonight, and I just am so excited. <laughs> Let's start with Scott and Lindsay. It's basically, this episode is basically centered around it being almost release day or release day for all of our inmates or several of them anyway um so it's release day for Lindsay, and scott is on his way to pick her up so she is um in prison in california and he's in mississippi so she'll be living she'll be going to a halfway house and then living with him so she has a flight from california to atlanta to mississippi Um, so this is also going to be the first time that they ever meet. Yikes. He is packing up all of the things, all of her essentials that she's going to need in a hot pink duffel bag. Um, she demanded that he get the top of the line iPhone for her. He shows us some Victoria's Secret pink brand tie-dyed panties a nice little white two-piece suit, like she's one of the cheetah girls or something, and he's ready to go. He said all told is probably he spent about $2,500 just of things that are in that uh, duffel bag. He also shows us a picture that she had taken out of a magazine with a picture of an engagement ring, and it said hint, hint, and then pointed to the ring. So, you know, Lindsay's really got her priorities straight, and I, I love that for her. And I, frankly, I love it for me more. Most of all, I love it for me. Um, Scott, and listen closely to what I'm about to say. Scott thinks that Lindsay is not a troublemaker, but that trouble finds Lindsay because she is a very beautiful, pretty, white, young girl. There's an operative word in what I just said in her description. Hmm. Scott? Scott? Lindsay, however, we get to see Lindsay do some talking heads, if you want to call it that, over the um, prison, I don't know what you call it, like the, what do you call it when, you know, you have that, like the mirror, not the mirrors, but like you can see them through and they're talking on the phone. She tells us, Lindsay tells us that um, she's gotten in trouble a bunch of times since she's been in jail. So that really negates her pretty white girl um, Visage just bust right through it. And 
that she is bad at being good. So there goes that, Scott. Sorry. Sorry for your, your beautiful white woman that she's not so good and that people are just attracted to making trouble for her because she's hot and white. Good grief. Um, producers ask if there's any chance that Lindsay is scamming him. And he was like, no, I don't think so because Lindsay invited me over to her mom's house for Thanksgiving. And I just don't think that that's something that you would do. Well, it doesn't really matter because Lindsay wasn't there. <laughs> so it's really of no consequence to her whether she goes, whether you go to her mom's house for Thanksgiving or not, that really proves not a thing because Lindsay wasn't even there. And you know what? What it did, what it secured for her is a shopping trip for little Miley Grace, her daughter, for back to school. Or not back to school, I guess it was Thanksgiving, but you know, some school clothes. She got, she got a shopping spree out of that. Yikes, 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 y'all. Um, Scott, his plan, well, I guess he lives quite far from the airport. So his plan is to meet up with Lindsay's mother and Miley Grace halfway between his house and the airport. And they're talking logistics. So like I said before, she has to stay in a halfway house for a couple months before she can move into his house. Um, we get a little bit of Lindsay's backstory. Her mom seems like you know, like a pretty nice lady, but also like, you know, like a woman who, I mean, I don't want to say like a woman who couldn't control her child, but like, you know, some people just go on their own paths and that's just their destiny, you know? So we find out that Lindsay was a teen mom, but she still went to community college. She made it work. She was on, you know, doing well for herself. And then she got hooked on meth. She got hooked on meth to the point where she started selling things. And it got to the point where she was like making so much money that she was like, why am I sitting here going to school when I'm making 10,000 a night selling dope, you know? Um, so that's when she started to get in trouble. So we see Scott play with Miley. They're like at a park that has a playground and He's talking about, like, how nice it is that she is a kid. And we find out, like, a really sad story about how Scott had a son who died in 2017 when he was 20. He got in a single car accident, died on impact. And he really thinks that this is, like, a chance for him to have another family for both he and Lindsay. Like, it's their chance to kind of start over. Miley really seems to like him, you know, in the sense that, like, any you know, child would like a, an adult in that he gave her stuff and he's fun and he high fives her and whatnot. It, this is the only thing that I feel bad for Scott with is that like, ugh, I don't know. Like, should you be trying to like recreate your fatherhood through a child of a woman that you don't even really know like that and thinking that like, this is going to be the start for you. Like I think therapy might be cheaper than trying to like recreate that situation you know what I mean other than that he can kick rocks because I didn't like that he said that she was like a beautiful white woman who is apparently like absolved of any wrongdoing that she does um let's move on to let's go with Quaylon and Chevelle so it's one day until Quaylon's release 
and uh, Chevelle's mom comes to pick up her daughter so, you know, they can take care of her, watch her for a couple of days before, you know, so Quaylon, she can pick him up and they can, um, you know, just have some time to themselves. So it appears that Chevelle's mom is still committed to this yellow gold lipstick, but fortunately she's a little bit more wise than her makeup choices would reveal. And she tells Chevelle, like, listen, I have instilled in you all of the morals and values that I possibly could. It is your chance to depend on that and use that to be making the right decisions. It seems like Chevelle's mom is really concerned that Chevelle is incapable of making the right choices. <laughs> because, you know, like we got that story last week about how she was promised and gave all this money to this guy who would promise that she he would get her like started with her rap career and then he bailed and she was out 15,000. So it just seems like Chevelle's mom is really concerned about Chevelle's decision-making choices. Um, and then she says, you know, like, I just need you to promise me that you're not so invested in this relationship that you're not going to be able to see straight. Like, I need you to be able to recognize the red flags and walk away from the situation if you need to. And Chevelle agrees. And her mom says, you know, it's either a lesson or a blessing. And I hope it's a blessing. Um, so Chevelle lives in Kansas City. Quaylon is from Kansas City. But his mother lives in Houston. And I believe he is, his prison is also in Texas. Even though I think he got in trouble mostly in Kansas City. That's what I'm under the impression of because Chevelle has to pick up. Oh, that's right. Chevelle has to pick up his mom, but his mom came from Houston to Kansas City to be there when he gets from jail. So he has never been in Houston. So let me just backtrack. <laughs> he is from Kansas City. Chevelle also lives in Kansas City. His mom lives in Houston. Um, so she comes to pick up, well, we get a little scene with Quaylon and he says, basically what I said last week was that like, he's really nervous about transitioning to the real world. And he's like pointing out all the changes that have happened in the world since he's been, um, locked up. He said, you know, I had a flip phone. There wasn't even Facebook. I was on MySpace last time I was free. He was not even 17. He had like barely turned 17 when he got to jail, which is really sad. Like re what happened to him that he, that the judge made this 16 year old, like sentenced the 16 year old boy to jail for 12 years. Like outside of like murder, if it didn't lead to somebody's death, like I just, don't know that just seems like really egregious you know what I mean a 16 year old kid that's just like a real shame um so Chevelle goes to pick up Quaylon's mom and we also find out that Quaylon kind of duped them both and said told both of them that he was going to be living with them and neither of them know that he said that to the other one so Chevelle gets there, Quaylon's mom, like they're getting along just fine. She's being very nice. Both of them are like, you know, just 
getting along. They're both really excited to see Quaylon. Like, there's no strife at all. Until Chevelle mentions, like, oh, are you happy? Like, is it exciting for you to be back in Kansas City? Um, You know, like, I know that you haven't been here in a while. You haven't lived here in years. And, like, are you just excited for Quaylon to be living here again? And his mom is like, excuse me? Because he's moving to Houston with me. Like, I moved, our family moved to Houston for the express purpose of getting Quaylon out of Kansas City, removing him from his bad influences, removing him from anything that could get him back in jail. Like, we picked up our whole lives for this moment, and he's moving to Texas with me. And Chevelle's like, oh, she kind of covers for him and is like, oh, well, he told me that he already talked to you about this. But in an interview, she was like, I had no idea that she actually he actually told her that. And I am now really concerned because if he did and he told me that she's like, we've been in a relationship for two and a half years and one year in, we already had these conversations that he was going to be moving in with me. So I just don't know what to do, if I should trust him. Mm. Bad. Let's move on to Destiny and Sean. So Sean's in the car. We find out that his dumbass paid Destiny's $5,000 bond. He was like, he calls her and goes, um, hey, I just looked at your like very long rap sheet and I made the choice to bail you out (laughs) and just letting you know that you're getting out of jail now the next day everything's squared away and you're good to go Destiny's so excited and but Sean is like he tries to level with her and was like hey like I paid this five thousand dollars I can't get it back and if you don't do what you're supposed to do, I'm out another 45000 And Destiny's response is, I get what you're saying. And I understand, like, when you look at it, it looks bad, okay? But it's maybe the person that I've become. And if I hadn't gone through this and done all that stuff, you wouldn't be in my life right now. So I'm really stressed out about you. Like, I don't want you to judge me. And when I get out, because I am going to have no makeup on, I gained some weight, like 20 freaking pounds. Cause I swear to God, I will make sure I look good for you. Okay. <laughs> Excuse me. <laughs> Word salad. Does that sound like a woman who is going to be on the straight and narrow when she gets out of jail? Or does it sound like somebody who hit some straight K2 in a narrow community shower? You tell me. Apparently, that's all Sean needs to hear. He's excited. I love you, baby. He gets out of the car, gets off the phone, and he walks right into Plato's closet to meet one of his six children, Gracie, and his baby mama, Kelly. Gracie is giving us Daria cosplay. I love her. I think she's a good kid. She's 16. She seems very emotional <laughs> and above, you know, one of those kids that you can tell, like, she's in a situation, but, like, if you can get her into a state school, 
things are probably going to be just fine for her. Um, so he gets in there and he wants to have a talk with his baby mama, Kelly, because Kelly is raising all six children on her own. And he basically knows that like, in order for my kids to meet destiny, I have to go through Kelly. Um, Sean seems to be under the impression that Kelly is going to be jealous of destiny, but Kelly is under the impression that Sean is stupid and he's about to get conned from her. She's like, I don't even, you don't even know if this woman is really a woman. It could be a man for all you know. And he's like, no, I don't think so. And I don't think so either. Like, I think that part would be pretty obvious. I mean, I don't know, but. She's she's going on the right path. She does not think that this is going to be a good situation. Um, Kelly finds out that Destiny is going to be moving in with Sean. And Kelly thinks that this is unbelievable. And I completely agree. Kelly knows that Destiny has a long rap sheet. That she is in jail for drugs. And she's like, this is really stupid (laughs) then kelly wants to know obvious question like how much have you spent on destiny and of course he lows balls it by saying oh well like a few thousand dollars you know not the thirty-five thousand that he spent on her in the past nine months plus the five thousand dollars that he just spent on her the day before to get her out of jail and obviously the future four hundred forty-five thousand dollars that he's going to owe when she doesn't show up for court now imagine You saying this with your whole chest to a woman as you guys are sitting in a used clothes store that you've spent any $1,000 on a woman that you've never even met before, sir. (laughs) Then imagine, and this is what happens next, telling her that you plan on getting married to this woman. She's sitting there saying... We have spent the better part of 22 years together, and I had six kids with you. You never had any interest in marrying me, and yet you are talking marriage with a woman that you've never even met, who is getting out of jail tomorrow, who is a storied criminal with a very uh, drug-centered past. Baby... When I tell you that I would have thrown a tub of gently worn ankle boots at that man so hard that he would have a Steve Madden logo imprinted on his forehead for three days, like, bitch, I admire her restraint. (sighs) Gracie's in the dressing room and Sean's like, well, should I tell her about destiny or maybe you want to tell her? She's like, I'm not telling her shit. This is your job. And Kelly's like, I'm going to the car. You can pay for the clothes that she needs, and then you can tell your daughter that you're an idiot. So, as soon as he tells Gracie that he's planning on moving this woman in, she's like, okay, what is she in jail for? And he's like, well, drugs. And she's like, Dad. (laughs) She starts to cry. 
she gets upset. She's like, I feel like you're about to start a new family with this woman. This is a really bad idea. I don't know what you're doing. And that's the end of his scene for the week. He's so stupid. He's so freaking stupid. (laughs) The writing is on the wall, dog. Like, are you illiterate? Can you read? Oh my gosh. Um, I am so upset. Uh, who else do we have? Jessica and Maurice. So Jessica's from Vegas, but she went to California to go pick up Maurice. I can't tell if she's in a hotel or if she's staying with somebody that she knows. It kind of looks like a house. It doesn't, or just like an old rundown home. I can't really tell, but like she's certainly made a home of it because her makeup, her beauty blender, all on the counter. There's trash on the counter. All of her hair products. Like, have you only been here since the night before? She says she's so excited. She had woke up every hour. She has to pick him up, but I believe 7.45 a.m. So we find out that the last two years... They have not seen each other because Maurice got caught trying to smuggle drugs into the prison. Jessica then tells us as she's getting dressed that she, when she would go to the jail two years ago, plus, because she hasn't been able to see him since then, um, that she used to go there in like sweats or conservative, like long dresses to see him. But honey, she is in her hottest fashion Nova titty dress for the occasion, like busting out crazy (laughs) she is also concerned that the relationship might be a little bit different because it's not going to be like he's in jail anymore like they'll actually be living a real life like yeah jessica you think it might be a little bit different than you getting conjugal visits every three months or whatever maybe (laughs) um like i said marie's supposed to get out of the jail at 745 She's pacing around the parking lot, and it's 8 o'clock, 9 o'clock, 10 o'clock. As she's in the parking lot, she drops another bomb, which is that before they got married, Maurice had been talking to another woman who had been sending him money, but they never met. And the only way that he and Jessica could have conjugal visits with each other is if they got married. So... Even though they've been together for like six years or four years or however many, she's worried that he might be using her for sex. (laughs) Jesus. Finally, a van pulls up and out pops Maurice. They make out. She, you know, he's grabbing her. She's like in a koala bear pose on him. He's the tree. Maurice comes up for air for a few seconds to say that he feels exuberated. (laughs) I will say that I actually thought Maurice was way better looking than I expected, but her foundation is all over his mouth. And at this point, I would like to encourage you guys to look up pictures of Kylie Jenner and Jaden Smith leaving a movie theater and tell me that's like not exactly them to a T. <laughs> they are the the prison version of Kylie Jenner and Jaden Smith. Um producers asked Maurice what his thoughts were getting out of the van and he's like, Well my first thought was like, damn, who's that white lady? Oh, is that my wife? 
<laughs> and then they take off in the hotel <laughs> to go fuck. Oh, Jesus Christ. Um, are we on our last couple? I think we might be the crown jewel of this season for me. Christiana and Lakota John. So we have John, he's leaving what looks like a comfort inn and sweets, and there's a limo driver waiting to pick him up. So he has to explain to the limo driver what exactly is going to be happening. So the plan is, the limo is going to follow John as he takes his wedding truck to a park. (laughs) And then from there, the limo driver is going to take him from the park to the prison And then they're going to take the limo back to the park to get married. And then he has to take her to the halfway house. So they have about 40 minutes from the time she leaves prison to the time that they have to leave that location to head to the halfway house. It's like a few hours away and she's only gotten a certain amount of time to report there. So they get to... He is with like... I think, like, his dad, maybe? And another woman. I'm not sure if it's his sister or what, but... So, they're all... They park the truck in this, like, ditch, basically, on the side of a road. And they have, like, just a few minutes to get the wedding chapel set up. Even the limo driver helps. (laughs) I can't even believe what I'm going to (laughs) say. He has the limo driver help him put up curtains on the side of the truck because John wants to make sure that the cops don't pull over and see them making sweet love to each other in the bed of this truck. I hope it doesn't rain. Did he prepare for that? <sighs> He's a genius. John then pops in the limo and we see that he's fully dressed up for the wedding and what looks like Maybe, like, a ceremonial Native American shirt, but it's also, like, being ruined by these, like, stained, relaxed fit jeans. He's got transition lenses, of course. He's got one of those, like, big-ass, like, save-by-the-bell cell phone size vapes. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, John is, could not be more of a stereotype of, like, a loser white dude if he tried. He hasn't brushed his hair. It's in a low pony. <sighs> Jesus, he's got a goatee and not like in a hot way. It's like a sad goatee. It's, it's all John, (laughs) dear John. Um, remember Christiana has no clue that John wants to get married and that he's planning on proposing to her. And John tells us that Christiana has told him repeatedly that like, I love you, but I'm not in love with you because we haven't had sex yet. Finally, she gets released. John runs across the road to meet her. Um, we hear her voice when they meet each other, but then we hear her in an interview. And I'm not sure, like, whose voice we heard at first, because in the interview, Christiana sounds like Froggy. Like, Froggy as in the boy from the Little Rascals movie with the frog voice. <laughs> I don't know what's happening. Um... So, before getting into the limo, we're now at the end of the episode, and he stops Christiana and says, hey, like, before you get in there, 
one more thing I want you to know. You know, today is your first day out. Big day. Lots of fun stuff. So I was wondering if uh, there's a possibility that you'd uh, marry me. <laughs> Sir, you had all this time to think of a proposal. And that's. I, uh, I was wondering if there was a possibility that you would marry me. <laughs> Not nothing said about like, I love you. I think you're a great person. Just, um, this is going to be a big day for you. So do you want to just pile onto that by getting married before we scoot on over to the halfway house? How about that? <laughs> he is in the grass. Thank God he wore some old ass jeans because he probably is going to get grass stains. She's looking down at him and she's like, um, <laughs> I, oh, I, what? <laughs> She's like, I was not prepared. You're really putting a lot on me, sir. And that was the end of the episode. Oh, God, Love After Lockup is really such a treat. I'm so happy it's back. <sighs> Let's move on. Well, apparently she doesn't like anywhere. She doesn't like Renee either. She's like, Erica's like a cold-hearted bitch. But then she's around you guys, and she's like, why do they all want to fight and with me? And she always acts like she, like, idolizes Erica, too. She plays this chill, laid-back, cool person. She knows exactly what she's and doing. She, but she knows what she's doing. Knowing how open and honest you are, she doesn't think that's going to get out. She feels like she can tell me things because she has something on me. Oh, shit, you guys. Real Housewives of Beverly Hills finally kicked it up a notch, and I am so excited. I had to talk to the one and only Troy McKeady about it. Hello, Troy. Hi, how are you? Uh, feeling great. Feeling Giovanni. Um, <laughs> doing a lot of things. <laughs> Giovanni, I, you know, like, I've, it's very clear that, like, Bravo is trying to there are a lot of cuts that have been made in terms of housewives in the past like year or so. Mm-hmm. A lot of our OGs are gone. And how are you feeling about Ramona this season? Because it feels like we're trying to get her out of here. Oh God. Yeah. Uh, well, first of all, let me just start by saying I gave you Giovanni honey. So enjoy it. Okay. Enjoy it. Cause I gave it to you. It's a $400 dress. Enjoy it. Um, Ram- <laughs> Ramona is, I don't know. It's weird because it's like it's weird to imagine New York without Ramona, right? Just like right. it was weird to imagine OC without Vicky. It was weird at one time to imagine Atlanta without Nini. Like it's weird, but I guess the show would go on. I just I wonder if people are exhausted of like the Ramona coaster. Yeah, and like people are saying, you know, oh, Dorinda just went like she just moved her target from Tinsley to Ramona, but I think points are being made on the how awful Ramona is like this birthday right. party with her 50 girlfriends and you know her like one of them was the um Pamela Rowland who I think is the sister-in-law of Betsy DeVos or the sister of Betsy DeVos and like right. you know Leah accurately calling it basically a MAGA rally you know yeah. 80% of those women were blonde and Botox the other 10% were like brunette and Botox and is she just seems very gross and it just seems like they're not protecting Ramona anymore. Yeah. And like Ramona has now like Ramona is like a product of us, like rewarding her bad behavior for like a decade. Right. Like, yes, she's like, really this season, you can tell she's just like, "Uh Oh, that's me, Ramona. 
oh well how do i do these things it's like uh is that still cute i don't know you are 64 like is that cute still for you to be just blatantly doing terrible shit to people and then being like "Uh uh-oh just me like no right no She's trying to establish herself, it seems, as, like, part of Manhattan's elite. Right. Um, And I am not loving it because it's, first of all, it's, like, very high school. And it's just, like, there's a desperateness to that, especially when you factor in the fact that this woman is 63 years old. Like, fucking kill me if I have to be doing this, like, trying to climb the ladder of popularity at 60-plus. Yeah, it just it seems like that's the ultimate. It's like on some scale, all of them, like the older gals, are just like so attached to this kind of like old, the the old New York. You know what I mean? Like they're just so obsessive about like trying to like be whatever. Like like you said, like climb the social ladder, and it's like, girl, at this point, aren't you where you should be? Like, shouldn't you be? established if you're going to be what are you going to at 80 become an it girl right (laughs) exactly it's weird it's really weird it's crazy and just like her obsession with finding a man it's like i understand it's like of course i understand being divorced and like single and like wanting to find like a partner but she obviously just wants like she unapologetically wants to be with a wealthy hot guy and it's like I don't know if I care anymore. You know what I mean? Like, I don't give a shit about watching Ramona date. Right. And I, I had this conversation with Carrie O'Donnell, but like, you know, the unfortunate truth is that like Ramona looks great. She's banging, but like the yeah. types of dudes that she wants are going to be wanting like 35 year olds tops. Like right. they, you know, at her age, like, they're also divorcees. They also have kids. They they want to, like, be with a hot young bitch. And, like, you do look great, but that is only going to take you so far. And it's not going yeah. to – you're not going to be getting the dudes that you want, really. Yeah, it's not going to happen. Like, you're not going to find a handsome, wealthy guy who's, like, great in bed and like wants to climb the same social ladder as you who isn't dating like you said a hot 30 year old who is like arm candy right it's just not going to happen she'd be better off like trying to dig her claws back into mario at this point and like even that's not gonna work i mean don't you feel like that's the inevitable end for her like however long it takes like they are eventually going to end up together in some way like they may have a weird like dorinda like non-traditional kind of thing or whatever but like they're going to end up being each other's life partner still i I fully agree i think within like the next three to five years like mario's gonna get over banging you know 28 year olds and like having to like hang out at live down right right. he's gonna get over it there, you know, Avery's gonna have a child or get married, and I think he's gonna want that old thing back. I think so too. Just the security of it, even just being like, you know, it's like, yeah, like I've gotten it out of my system. I got to fuck a bunch of hot girls. Like Mario's so attractive. He's like the literal definition of a daddy. You know what I mean? Like, you know that he probably posts this show has had women just throwing themselves at him, 
And like, I think that he'll also get sick of, of it and be like, yeah, I like the security of this woman that I that knows every part of me. And, you know, I think that they're going to end up together in some way, whatever that looks like for them. I agree. Like, yeah. Is he going to be happy? Like, probably not. But like, you right. know, <laughs> he's sure. going to need somebody to like, who wants to take care of him, who wants to travel. He can see Avery whenever he wants. They can mm-hmm. split time between New York and Florida and, you know, have their little Trump rallies. And right. like, I think. <laughs> exactly. Um, okay. So let's get into Beverly Hills. I gotta say, like, from the episode before, two weeks ago, they brought mm-hmm. out all the big guns. We had yeah. Camille, we had Adrian, Eileen, Kimber, if you even want to count Kimber. We had, like, Brandy. But even bringing back, like, all the old guard was, like, nothing compared to this episode. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Yeah, I mean, it was like, first of all, it was like a clown car of every housewife that's ever existed. I was like, when does this stop? And then Chris Jenner saunters her way into the scene. I was like, this is, this is insane. I mean, this is truly every like Beverly Hills woman that had like orgies in the 80s is here tonight. And I'm living for it. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, um, I don't know. It's like, it was definitely, this has definitely, I think, been like the greatest little moment of Beverly Hills in forever and it's only because there's Brandy Glenville involvement obviously Brandy knows how to bring good TV you know what I've been fighting it for years I thought like oh we, do we really need to like bring back Brandy because all all these people have been saying like the show is nothing without Brandy but I think they might be right I'm ready to admit that I, I was wrong on that <laughs> you know why I think Brandy's so good on this show I feel like she Brandy is great because this group of women, they all love to try and present themselves a certain way on TV. And Brandy is great because she doesn't let them. Like, Mm -hmm. she's the first person to be like, no. Like, like I was, like, recording earlier, and I was talking about how funny it is that I'm re-watching old seasons, and I just watched them in Amsterdam. And it's so funny that Kyle was like, trying to make this big deal about smoking weed. And she's like, I don't know if I can. Mm." And Brandy's like, you smoke weed all the time. Like literally you smoke all the time. You and Mauricio smoke weed all the fucking time. Like I've seen you high, like girl, you know what I mean? Like no Lisa Vanderpump. You told me to bring those magazines because you wanted to 
embarrassed on camera. Nope. I love that about her. Yeah, she's like the Bart Simpson of Beverly Hills. Like, just chaos. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> she doesn't give a fuck about, like, niceties and being polite, being, like, all buttoned up. And, you know, like, is she a liar? Yeah. But, like, <laughs> truth? Like, absolutely. <laughs> right. Like, she is... And she also makes me... I was. I realized when I was watching, I was like, wow, my heart's racing... She makes me so tense and so uncomfortable and nervous and on edge, especially yeah. if she's drinking at a party. I, I'm so, I feel like a cat on like walking on nails. I'm like, I just never know. You don't know what's going to happen, but like, that's great. You know, like she brings so much tension to the show. Right. Yeah. Um, okay. So let's get into it. So it starts off with schmoozing Sutton telling Chris Jenner that they once met in line for the bathrooms at the Met Gala. <laughs> and I think, who the fuck is, who is Sutton? She's like the Derek Blasberg of Ladies Who Lunch. Like, I don't understand what she does. I, I don't know. understand where her money comes from. I There's a lot of, like, smoke and mirrors here. Like, I, I don't get it. I don't understand. I don't know how old she is. I, I just don't understand anything about her. And there's, like, a campy southern accent that just, like, comes, like, all, like, sometimes randomly she's, like, Blanche Devereaux. She's, like, a full southern <laughs> debutante. And I'm, like, uh, okay. And she's, like, excuse me, honey. And I'm, like, okay. Like, where did that come from? Like, I get that you're southern, but where does it, where do, when do you just randomly turn into, like, a full-on, like, country gal? It's very strange. You're right. Like, she would be on a porch somewhere drinking sweet tea Right. I just I need to know how we got from point A to point B because there seems to be a lot of uh, there's a lot of things that we're missing here and I just need it. <laughs> well, she hates talking about money, so of course, of course. Um, so when we left off the episode before, it was kind of like a weird situation where Denise wanted to have a sit down with Teddy, but then Camille got into it mm -hmm. and she sat down and was like being like oh teddy like you look so great like you look beautiful you're pregnant blah 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 and teddy was like no i'm not doing yeah it. yeah <laughs> finally teddy decides to like raise her heartbeat above comatose and realize <laughs> i'm on a fucking television show maybe i should try to earn my check here you know <laughs> being a little bit rude to camille and Camille is basically like getting it from all ends here. Like, bash. Like, the episode before, Rena walked up to her and was like, You're an asshole on Twitter. I'm just going to tell you. And yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was so weird. <laughs> was, I loved her like hesitation. Like, she's standing with Eileen and they're like, Should we talk to her? I don't really want to talk to her. But now we've just been standing here and now she's staring at us. So we have right. to. <laughs> I love it. She goes, "Hi, Camille. You're a bitch on Twitter." <laughs> Hi. She's like, "Okay." <laughs> so strange. Strange. This is the Rena. How do you feel about Lisa Rena? Lisa Rena is my heartbeat. I'm not even kidding. She's my pulse. Lisa Rena for me is like, she is real hot size of Beverly Hills. She's the only one that fucking brings it every week. Lisa Rinna could go, Lisa could film a scene going to get coffee and it's the most entertaining part of the whole episode. <laughs> and that's she's an agent of chaos that like, I think she's vital to the show. Like people really don't like her, but 
I'm like, I'm an evangelist for Lisa Rinna. Me too. <laughs> I think she's one of those villains that you don't read, like the people who don't like her don't understand how necessary it is for you not to like her. Right. And like, y'all think the show's boring now? Imagine Girl. if it's not on the show. Are you kidding me? It's, and then it's a shoe dazzle commercial. <laughs> and I will not. I cannot. I can't. <laughs> also, how are you feeling about Dorit this season? Because I'm really liking her. Um, I was just saying earlier that uh, <laughs> Russ Martin said something to me about Dorit that she's uh, she's got like a quality where it's like a very select few women and only almost entirely gay men can appreciate her. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? I yeah. love Dorit. I think she, I think Dorit has like figured out her character. She's like, oh, like Dorit. Like, this is the shit that I should be leaning into. I should just give them Dorit all the time. Like, she just feels like fully realized to me now. Exactly. Like, once she, like, I did not like her the beginning when she was like oh i'm so fat it was like it almost seemed like she was like erica jane jr right and i like when she just shows us how fabulous she is and doesn't talk about it like just yeah. give us him give us a look you know and 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 be a little bit shady that's what right. i like about i always say that dorit is if nomi malone was a real housewife Right. <laughs> she just gives me Nomi vibes and like she kind of dresses like if Nomi Malone was wealthy. I I really feel that from her. Yeah. I'm with you. I'm totally totally with you. Oh my god. Okay. So back to the show. Teddy says like, you know, oh no. Okay, so Camille goes into a talking head and says, "I'm trying to be nice to be Teddy to Teddy, but she's just a rude little bitch." And I love that. Right. <laughs> yeah. Tattooed on my on my wrist as soon as I. Made <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. Then Camille turns to Denise and was like, "You know what? I felt like you were being. I felt gaslit by you at the reunion." And Denise is just like, "Okay. Well, that wasn't what happened. Like, yeah. I just cannot win for losing in this episode, and I really love it. I cannot stand Camille." But right. I also, like, she's also very necessary. She just so, she thinks that she's trying to get, she, that she's getting away with being petty, and she's not. Right. And that's both, like, infuriating and hilarious. Yeah, agreed. Like, it's, it's amazing. Camille's journey on this show is just, there could be books written. I think that there, we could get at least two books out of that. It's just so wild, especially now that she's kind of, like, clawing her way back she's like i really want to be on this show but the girls have to be willing to film with me <laughs> come on and i love a person who just doesn't know how to be nice like she's <laughs> doesn't come naturally to her so like every time she's trying to be sweet and loving it just is so awkward right it's just like she's set on evil yes <laughs> yes her dial is set to evil and then he like turned the dial and like given us the performance of a nice lady, right? Every once in a while, but she can't do it. You're right. She cannot do it. Oh my gosh! So then we go back outside. Kyle gets on stage and introduces Wilson Phillips. <laughs> 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 we 
so fucking funny to me. She literally says, a charity event has to be fun and exciting, so people want to come and want to spend money. The first person that popped into my mind was my friend Carney Wilson. I mean, and then we get a, a, a four-year-old montage of Carney being like, I'm wacky! I've got a wacky personality! <laughs> They really tried to give us Carney, like, what, in 2016? And, like, girl. I know. And I'm like, what is this, like, a, a 2004 VH1 reality show all of a sudden? What's happening? <laughs> exactly. I really, like, I want to shade Wilson Phillips more, but honestly, like, hold on, goes to fuck off. And yeah. watching Kathy Hilton get her life, like, by lip syncing <laughs> a row. <laughs> <laughs> the amount of hip swinging and snapping I saw, I was really, I was here for it. Wow. I mean, to be a rich middle-aged woman in Beverly Hills is like, I just, I, I it's like a zoo. Like, I would be there watching, like, a safari. I love Absolutely. them. It's just like a world that I cannot connect to at any point, but here we are. Here we yeah. are. <laughs> um Dree tries to be shady by insinuating that she is like the inventor of the surprise concert and we get a flashback to like her indentured servant boy George like singing right. in her rental home like right <laughs> as if it was like some spectacular moment that none of us have forgotten like I literally forgot she even knew boy George until that scene I was like oh yeah <laughs> Like, wow, girl, you um, put him behind a curtain and made him perform, like, do you really want to hurt me? Like, okay, great. Yeah, yeah, and the whole time everybody was just waiting for you to draw the velvet curtain that was in the middle of a room. Like, it was like, <laughs> so who's behind the curtain? Oh, it's Boy George you talk about all the time. Okay. <laughs> he's here. He's literally chained to the corner, like, okay. Yeah, he's like... <laughs> to like event <laughs> oh my god didn't he change somebody to like a to something I think he did that seems on brand for boy George <laughs> and red boy was chained to a radiator yeah that's on brand <laughs> um, so Denise is like fuck this she goes inside to join Brandy and Adrian Maloof at the bar Brandy chugs a very healthy pour of a glass of rosé. Oh, and then she decides to cheers to surrogacy, pretending about babies, and then ultimately just loving each other. A callback to when she outed Adrian Maloof for having sur a surrogate for her twin boys. Wow. I mean... I wow. mean... <laughs> I mean. Adrian's little eyes were like darting all over. I was like, I'm so uncomfortable right now. Oh my god! Like if Botox could talk, Adrian's face would have said a mouthful. But <laughs> <laughs> she if, if she could express, she would have been so awkward. Yeah, it was. Uh, it was like, first of all, I always forget how shrill Brandy's voice is. I like forget every time until I see her on camera, and I'm like, oh my god. Brandy's voice when she's drinking. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Brandy then <laughs> takes the opportunity to apologize to Adrian after she just cheers to pretending to having children. And we get this, like, cheeky little scene of Denise spanking Brandy at the bar. And then Brandy tells Aaron and Denise that she wants to be in a thruple with them. 
Did you believe Denise when she acted like she didn't know what a thruple was? No, I didn't. Like, ma'am. And like, like I don't want to throw Charlie Sheen, this Charlie Sheen of it all in her face, but like, come on. He, he's like the king of thruples. Like, don't lie to me. I don't have time. Kara, I just, I'm not like, I'm not a Denise hater. I'm not trying to like bully Denise or whatever, but I'm just like, I mean, you know, I have done lots of Denise work and I yeah. just, it doesn't add up for me. I think it's very fucking weird. Like, I don't know what Denise is trying to pull. <laughs> like, I don't know what shenanigans she's trying to pull as if she wasn't a tabloid star for 15 years. But like, girl, you didn't know what a fucking thruple was. I'm so sure. <laughs> I'm like, so sure. Right. Like, here's what I think is happening. Like, when we saw her on her first season, like, she was a breath of fresh air. She was delightful. She was like you know like down to earth and kind of like above all the hollywood bullshit she has right. a career that any of the housewives would have dreamed of like yep. she's beautiful she's naturally beautiful she doesn't have to like fill her face with botox she's just yeah whatever she's got that great midwestern accent and now do you think it's aaron because i do so my theory on Denise is that she came into this show thinking that she would be able to maybe kind of control the narrative a little bit more, protect her husband. You know, I'm sure he like gave her his like boundaries and was like, I don't want any of this shit on the show. Like, I think she thought her being in quotes, Denise fucking Richards would like really mean something like that they would go easy and that it would be maybe similar to her old reality show, how she filmed it. Mm hmm. And she realized very quickly that that's not what this is. And especially in Beverly Hills, this is like a group of women who are white knuckling it to make some fucking content and they'll do anything to make it interesting, obviously. And, you know, I just don't think she thought it would be what it's become. And I think she thought she'd be able to present herself in, a, in some specific way. And it's like, girl, like, I don't, I don't, I really don't understand it. I don't get it. I don't get where... She gets off acting like, I mean, look, do I think that they're gaslighting her by acting like it's weird that she doesn't want to talk about threesomes in front of her kids? Like, they're being ridiculous. Yeah. But she's also giving us some kind of Martha Stewart fantasy that I don't understand. Yeah. I mean, it's a very layered situation. One, I think, you know, she's probably got some, like, ongoing lawsuit with Charlie. And so maybe she's trying to, like, tighten up a bit on TV. Right. Two, it's completely fair that, like, you can talk about sex candidly, and maybe it's even on the show, but then when it you're literally, your children are, like, five feet away, you don't want to talk about it, but then also there's the added factor of, like, okay, well, the cameras are up, so right. if you don't want to talk about these, like, provocative things, then don't have a filmed scene when your kids are a feet away, like... I get it, but then I don't. And I also think Agreed. it should not be talked about anymore. Agreed. Uh, my God. <laughs> it's like, what is happening? Like, why? Uh, but I, I agree with you. It's like she kind of wants to maybe have her cake and eat it too. Like, she wants to be on this show, be known as Denise fucking Richards, be remembered as, like, the girl from Wild Things, and bring up Charlie Sheen every 10 minutes, but, like, none of the stuff that goes along with that. Yeah. 
and I just wish she would be the girl that we saw in the first season because yeah, and like, she, needs to, she needs to stop having Aaron fight her battles. Like, I don't care if once she like they went to was it Sutton's like uh, store opening, she had to go to the bathroom and left Aaron to have this conversation with all the women, and it's like, mm-hmm. okay, well, how did you think this was gonna go? Like, truly, yeah. Seriously, she needs to learn from someone like a Dorinda and eventually just phase out of filming with him if she's going to stay on the show. Totally. Just phase out. like. Yeah. You could tell between seasons of New York, like, Dorinda had a very strict conversation with John. It was like, if you're going to be on camera, like, you have to play doting boyfriend and that's Mm -hmm. it. Yeah, stop trying to finger my friends on camera, please. <laughs> Enough. Stop fucking Sonya on camera, if you could. Right. Oh, my God. Do you miss John? I kind of miss him. Yeah, I do. I do. <laughs> I just rewatched the episode where he was chasing Bethany all over her house, and, like, I was <laughs> living. I was living. I miss him a little sometimes. Gosh, I just, like... Even though they're not really a match for each other, I can't see Dorinda with anybody else. Yeah, like, I think that he just brought out post, like, you know, widow Dorinda being like, yeah, if you want to do a line of coke and go to Regency at 3 a.m., like, I'm down to do that with you. Let's go fucking do it. Oh, there's lipstick spread all over your face. Like, I still think you're beautiful. Let's go. Like, (laughs) you know what I mean? Right. And I'll go back to Queens and I'll come over to Manhattan, like, a couple times a week. Yeah. And then I'll leave you alone. And I'll spot treat whatever you wore the night before. It'll be ready for you the next day. Truly. Like, relationship goals. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so it's time for Erica Shootazzle event. Finally. Thank God. The moment we've been waiting for. And Erica gets all, like, emotional and says, you know, once you get one thing, you always want more. So... I guess she talks about being a go-go dancer in New Jersey to like landing Tom to becoming Erica Jane to now this online shoe collaboration. That's going to go nowhere back to New York to be a Broadway baby. Like she's really come full circle. What are your thoughts on Erica Jane right now? I, I listen, I'm an Erica Jane apologist. Like I, I kind of feel like about her the same way I feel about Candy, which is like, she doesn't really give us a lot. We don't really see a lot of her personal life, but like, I still think she's vital to the process. And I just, especially when you consider Beverly Hills, it's like, okay, none of you girls are really giving us everything. Right. <laughs> so just let her say, like, who cares? She's harmless to me. Well, I think comparing her to Candy is like the smartest thing ever. She is the Candy of that se- that season or uh, city. Yeah, she's low key, but she will pop off when she needs to. Mm-hmm. She's got the money. Yeah. She narrates good. How Candy like Candy is like the best narrator because she's right. so level that she sees every side. Yeah, I think mm-hmm. Erica is probably like the most intelligent of the cast. Mm-hmm. And she sees people for who they are, and I like her. She's kind of like like the big sister hanging out with all the younger girls in a way. Right. <laughs> like doesn't really want to get in the mix, but like she's also kind of in there. But yeah, and 
and listen, I think she's beautiful. And she gives a look. Like, I want to see her in a long t-shirt and a thigh-high boot. Like, that gives me joy. Yeah, I get that. I totally get that. I mean, of course, it's like I wish... I always say I think Erica gives, like, what she needs to give. Like, she gives you enough to say she did it. Like, we know enough about her family to say, like, yeah, you guys know. You know that I don't have a dad. You know that, like, I'm a Southern girl. You've seen my mom twice or whatever. Uh, You know, like, you've seen enough of Tom to know our dynamic. Um, (laughs) You know what I mean? She gives you enough to say she did it it's not like reoccurring we'll never see past the entryway of her house apparently um or outside (laughs) yeah like we get the entryway that little room off by the door the chapel and like the yard (laughs) she gives you just enough you know exactly yeah i think i think she's vital to the process and i i just love her i don't i don't care that people don't like her i'm living yeah I get that. Pat the puss. Thank you. Thank you for, for corroborating <laughs> that. Um, so, D- <laughs> Rinna shows up in a new wig and some thigh high boots, and Denise shows up in some gap skinny jeans and a high bun. <laughs> she's literally, she's like wearing an Eddie Bauer clog to this like dinner. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Erica does a speech next to a cake shaped like a shoe. The party begins. We get this, like, you know, the classic, not at all organic. Oh, I'm going to invite you guys to a trip. Hey, right. how spontaneous. Why don't you guys call your husband? <laughs> your children taken care of because we're going to Rome in five days. Does that work for all of you at the same time? Yes, it does. <laughs> Rena's like, I've never been. We're going girls and it's all being planned by me it's like okay why there are certain things where i'm like bravo like like housewives has elevated our intelligence level when it comes to reality tv leaps and bounds i feel like a reality tv producer i feel so smart and still they throw dirt in our face and do things like that it's like you think we're idiots right like (laughs) This is totally organic. It's not like we have to go on a cast trip that hasn't been planned for months. Oh, like, has to go to Broadway? Let's go to, like, do you think it makes sense at all that, like, Erica has to go to Broadway or to New York in two weeks to do Broadway, but suddenly she's got time to go to Rome with right. notice? Like, come on. Right. Like, <laughs> she can barely show up to, like, a dinner party, but she can go to Rome. Right. <laughs> Thank you. Stop playing my face, please. Um, (laughs) Denise and Erica have a one-on-one, and they talk about, like, Denise's boundaries, and Denise basically is like, you know, just because I'm open doesn't mean that I want to discuss everything in front of my kids. Kind of what we were talking about. Erica brings Aaron, and I wish that they had had more more of a conversation about this, but Denise kind of, like, shuts it down. And then she goes on to say, you know, like, I really like you and I want us to get along and I don't want to fight about this. And Erica's like, okay, <laughs> like, I'll just accept this. And she's like, you know, if, if Erica doesn't, or if Denise doesn't like what she's hearing, she kind of walks away and it's like, well, you guys, you guys all do that really. If we're being honest. Yeah. Are you fucking kidding me, Erica? You're the queen of not engaging in a conversation that isn't like about 
you becoming Erica Jane. I mean, how many fucking times, not to attack your girl, how many fucking times are we going to hear the story of how, it's like, it's like how many, it's literally like her origin story is like Spider-Man at this point. Like I've seen her become, I've seen Peter Parker become Spider-Man so many times at this point. I don't fucking care, girl. We get it. What we, do you talk about? We get it. You're totally, totally right. Oh my God. Um, this was probably the scene of the episode for me, Sutton and Garcelle having dinner and Garcelle basically addresses what everybody's been talking about behind her back on the internet is basically like, listen, I'm filming coming to America. I do two other shows. I don't have time to quote, like hang out with the girls. Obviously she means film for the show. Right. I just don't have time to like come in from the Valley and get into these passive aggressive arguments with Kyle Richards. Like I'm trying to make a check here. Okay. Right. <laughs> um, what do you think about that though? Cause I feel like people are really like kind of not feeling Garcelle because she's not filming, but like, I love everything that Garcelle has given us. Oh, I live. I'd like, I think Garcelle's so great on her own that it's like, like, it's okay that she's not filming a lot with the girls. Like, you know yeah. what I mean? You, you look at somebody like a Sutton who is like not great at, like not really great at all by herself. And she doesn't give anything when she's with the girls. And Garcelle is like not with them a lot, but even her like interviews and stuff alone and her life with her kids. Like I appreciate seeing her family so much. And I appreciate how open she is about her weird modern family and like their weird dynamic because all of them are so closed off. I mean, like they're all so closed off now. Like we barely see anything going on in like their actual lives. If we do, it's like Kyle giving us fucking leave it to Beaver. You know what I mean? (laughs) Like, I don't know. I just, I appreciate her so much. I agree. She's an efficient housewife. Yeah. There, she gives you what you want, what we asked for. She might not be there a lot, but you know what? Next season, she probably will be. And yeah. we're going to be blown away at how much she serves you. But, like, you're right. Like, we've seen her other girlfriends. We saw that, like, squad of Black Girl Magic. Yep. We saw her talking about how messy her relationship is was with, like, White Michael. Now she's right. fucking Black Michael. Now right. she's, like, you know, she loves her kids and mm-hmm. she's very strict on them. She gave us her origin story about her being, like, a Haitian immigrant. And mm-hmm. I just... She's giving us everything and she's serving looks on top of it. Like, what more do you want? And, like, obviously she needs another season. Like, she's obviously one of those housewives that is in dire need of a second season. You know, she's kind of, like, finding her footing. Like, she's, like, trying to figure out her place on the show and whatever. And, like, I think you're right. Like, she'll come back next year and it'll be, like, kicked into overdrive and she'll be amazing because she'll have figured it out, you know? Yes, I think she's honestly being so smart about how she's going about this because she's giving us a lot of her personal life. And like also when she's with the group, she's trying to figure them out and figure out the dynamic and figure out how these girls fight. And when she comes back next season, like this is going to be a flawless execution. Like I'm calling it right now. Absolutely. (laughs) A flawless victory. It's a fatality. (laughs) Um, So... (laughs) 
she does say that she's going to be going to Rome and Sutton's like, oh, well, it's going to be raining. And Garcelle's like, thank you for telling me because, you know, black women and rain, black hair and rain don't really mix. And Sutton's like, oh, it's not just you. Like, I got curly hair, too. My kitchen is so hot right now. (laughs) Excuse me. (laughs) Did you see, did you catch that Sutton made sure to say it like eight times? She wanted to make sure Garcelle heard her. She's like, girl, my kitchen. She's like rubbing her neck. My kitchen. My kitchen. My back. My kitchen. Okay. Girl. Like, you had a black nanny who taught you that. Like, let's not play this game, please. Are you like, are you kidding me? Are you kidding? I was I was so uncomfortable. It's like, oh, and then the, the accent all of a sudden is real. We got a real heavy draw now. We're talking Southern. <laughs> We're real all of a sudden Blanche Devereaux. Right. Blanche Devereaux, Delta Burke, like the whole, yeah. whole thing. Um, <laughs> then we get into, again, Garcelle being a very efficient housewife. They were talking about glam and, and Garcelle's like, listen, I'm a single mother. I can't bring glam with me everywhere. Are you going to bring it to Rome? And son's like, well, I can bring my glam anywhere. And Garcelle's like, listen. I don't really like to talk money, but like, where the fuck did your money come from? Like, I I need answers. Sun's being very tight lipped, but she says like she was married to a guy for 17 years and he did well. And I want to know who this man is. Like, is he single? Can you drop a number? Like, he must have done very well for himself for you to be like truly living the high life. It's wild. It doesn't make sense. And you know that it's like, it's, she has the kind of money that it's like almost kind of scary to trace its roots because you know that they're just not good. Right. Right. Like she's got that, that good plantation money that I just really would not even want to know the receipts on. Mm -hmm. (laughs) God only knows where the fortune comes from. God only knows. And like being a girl raised in the South, myself like I could understand kind of what she was saying like she said she didn't come from money but I think her perception of what coming from money is like very different like I could tell she was probably very comfortable and then she married like a mega multi multi millionaire yeah I was listening to her in an interview recently I think she was I don't remember who she was talking to but I do remember her saying that her dad was um I want to say he was like an architect, but like a really, really successful architect that like, you know, has designed like some really important buildings and like, yeah, like they were very comfortable. Yeah. Because like, be able to like live in Beverly Hills and live as well as you were from like Georgia, like. Right. Must have been making some real fuck you money. It almost maybe kind of reminds me of like a Shannon Bedore moment where like she mm-hmm. came from wealth and then married into like even wealthier like she's never known a struggle for sure right she she has no idea no clue like she's always had help she's always had housekeepers Mm -hmm. never probably lived in a house that was less than like three thousand square feet like she just doesn't know right and you're totally right she definitely was like she was raised by like black nannies Mm-hmm. <laughs> for sure ones that she like considers more of her mom than her actual mother yeah very Tory spelling <laughs> exactly 
um, this was the next episode. The next scene, rather, was like kind of a throwaway scene of Kyle's daughter coming over to Casa Hamlin to talk to Lisa and her daughter Amelia about getting a new apartment. Amelia is obviously like spoiled but whatever like she also makes her own like this was I it was interesting in the like Beverly Hills child of it all like she has all these expectations I you know I need a doorman windows a pool with a cabana two bedrooms this that these amenities Um, what I did find interesting is that Lisa said that she was only going to be contributing about a thousand dollars a month which Seems low, all things considered. Yeah, all things considered. Yeah, so nah, that, that was really it. Um, there was a packing montage after that that was boring, except for Erica puts her Roxy Hart wig on her dog. And yeah. that's <laughs> like posing for the gods, like right in the <laughs> like, during looks that like Teddy could only dream of. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Teddy was like taking frantic notes in her phone. <laughs> I love um, so speaking of Teddy, she goes over to Kyle's to like get ready for Rome slash plan her baby shower. Kim Richards and her very high ponytail. Oh my god! Wait, can we? Can you actually? Can we not talk about anything but the ponytail this whole episode? <laughs> <laughs> it was on her hairline, Kara. Sweetie, she, honey. <laughs> it was on her hairline. It was crazy. <laughs> and I was like, ooh. And she, you could tell she was so excited to show it off, which was like a lot for me. Yeah. <laughs> she looked like a toddler who did her own hair. And <laughs> <laughs> I saw that she had mentioned like, because she was like post breast surgery that she had, um, she wasn't able to like lift her own arms to do her hair. So she had somebody do it for her and that's what they did. Mm. But like, did they, did they charge you for that? Because you should get a refund. Yeah. Like they just took your hair and put it on a ponytail on your forehead. Like what? Stand <laughs> <laughs> uh, God, Kim just like giving us wackiness immediately. I love it. She made Jojo Siwa look like Princess Diana. Compared to- <laughs> Oh my god, that was a real JoJo Siwa moment for all she needed was the bow. Uh, oh my god. Oh my god, Jesus. <laughs> um, so, Kim and her ponytail come over. She's going to drop off some dresses. We find out that Brandy's actually in the car because she's taking her to her birthday dinner. And Kyle's like, why are you making Brandy sit outside? Like, just have her come in. So this is where things get murky. So we're going to talk about that whole scene and then circle back to the things that I've heard. Okay. Okay. So Kim, Kyle brings up Denise and like her threesome talk that she had with Brandy. And then Kim kind of like hints to Denise having done something to Brandy. Brandy looks over at her, like, don't say anything. And Kim's like, okay, like, it's your business. Like, I'm not going to say anything. Yeah. So then Brandy says that, like, 
to Kyle and Teddy, like, you guys need to be careful with Denise because she's not who she pretends to be. And Kyle says that Denise runs from the truth. Brandy then says that she doesn't want to get into it, but, like, what you see with Denise is not what you get. And then she immediately gets into it <laughs> by basically saying right. um, She tells Teddy that Denise hates her, that she thinks she's obnoxious, and that she'll do anything to be in the group, which is like, yeah, totally. Yes. Um, and that she's basically, like, so thirsty because she lives in her father's shadow. Um, then she says, like, what else does she say? That Erica, she thinks Erica's cold-hearted, and that she, Erica doesn't really like, or Denise, rather, doesn't really like anybody in the group. Right. Then Kyle's like, well, why would Denise even tell you all this? <clears throat> because, Brandy, you're basically a tattletale, and certainly she should know that you would, like, run and tell everybody, right? Right. So... Then what happens is that Brandy is like, oh, well, it's because Denise has something on me. We'll, we'll put a pin in that. I thought that was a very right. weird thing. Um, Brandy then says, like, oh, we got along. We get a flashback to them having a dinner last season. And then, that like, they got on, like, a house on fire. And then they saw each other one time in April and then not again until Kyle's black and white party and then she goes on to like talk about how she's really sensitive to people cheating that it's basically like kind of her brand <laughs> she was like really hurt by eddie sobrian cheating on her that she has ended friendships because of somebody else cheating on their partner like she's really really against it yeah um and then okay so then she says that Brandy was under the impression that Aaron and Denise had kind of like an understanding, sort of an open relationship in the sense that like Denise could hook up with women as long as there wasn't another man involved. That the night that we saw them filming that dinner, they went into the bathroom. Brandy said she was wasted and that Denise made a move on her. They made out and she was like, oh, you know, like I, I thought this was fine. Blah, blah, blah. And then they got, they went on some trip in April. Brandy, Denise went on Brandy's podcast and Denise was there with her children. And then Brandy was going to stay somewhere else. But then she decided, Denise invited her to just stay with her. It was kind of like a villa situation where like, it seems like Denise had kind of like an open loft room with no door. Right. Like the yeah, kids room. Yeah, with a door. So they did the podcast. Everything was fine. They were there for two nights. Nothing happened that first night. But the second night, they got really wasted. And they basically had sex. Denise's kids were downstairs. And Brandy says, like, she... They did everything. But, like, Brandy wasn't really into it because the kids were there. And then the next morning, Denise... um, Told her, like, you can't say anything. But Aaron... Because Aaron's going to kill me. So <laughs> Brandy tells a story about like how Denise had promised her that there would be a rollaway bed for her. But then there wasn't a rollaway bed. Like, who has rollaway beds anymore? In a villa? I know. I know. I was <laughs> like, what are we going to fucking holiday in? <laughs> right. 
Where were you? Yeah, like she acts like the impression that she is giving is that like Denise had this idea, the scheme that she was going to cook up the whole time. Like she's fucking Harvey Weinstein. Right. Oh, there's not going to be, there's no rollaway bed. I'm going to fuck you. And then basically Brandy was devastated when Denise said, don't tell anybody because Aaron will kill me because she was under the impression that like everything was above board. And that now she's like, I became the person that I hate. Like I became the person like somebody cheated with when they were married. Yeah. And she assumed that everything was okay, that Aaron was okay with it because he knew that they were going to go out of town with each other. He knew about them making out before. Then she said from that night on, she did not speak to Denise until Denise found out that Brandy was going to Kyle's black and white party Denise called her and then talked shit about other cast members to her. And Brandy and Kim leave and say, Kim was like, well, it's good for you to let that all out. Kyle also says that, like, I completely believe Brandy, yada, yada, yada. So I want to break this all down. First of all, there there were people who did their Googles on Instagram and found out that, (laughs) that... Brandy was wearing the same outfit and it was posted on Instagram that she was out like after Thanksgiving. So according to them, BravoCon was like November 15th through 17th. The girls went to Rome after BravoCon. And then the picture was posted of Brandy on Thanksgiving, which would have been after the girls all came back from Rome, meaning they filmed that scene this shit all went down and then Brandy filmed that scene with Kyle and Kim and Teddy. Mm-hmm. Um, there's some question of questionable, not quite sure, you know, like far be it for me. Like I think Brandy will repeat an outfit and a hairstyle within a week. Like that doesn't, that wouldn't surprise me. Right. <laughs> um, but <laughs> here's what I found very interesting about what Brandy said. First of all, her first instinct was to say, like, oh, Denise has been talking shit about all of you guys, which I think mm-hmm. is very tactical because first it had nothing to do with the situation, with her situation with Denise. Like, it only serves a purpose of getting people on your side by right. saying Denise is talking shit about you. And like, why would Denise need to say mean things to her if she felt like Brandy if she felt like Brandy might squeal why would you add fuel to the fire by talking shit about people the same people that you don't want to find out you know (laughs) like totally yeah like (laughs) I get that if she was being tactical if Denise was being tactical then you would plant those seeds to all the other girls and say Brandy's a liar Brandy's doesn't like you guys and get them on your side. You wouldn't talk shit to the person that you wanted to keep your secret, you know? But do you think that, so the way that I sort of interpreted that, because of course I thought about that too, because I was like, obviously she came in, she came here and said that to like disarm them. To Mm -hmm. be like, I know that you guys don't have the best history with me or whatever, but like you can trust me because guess what? she's been talking shit to to me about all of you but I almost feel like 
because Brandy is such an outsider. Like, I feel like Denise views Brandy as, like, a safe outsider. Like, a former member of the group, but, like, kind of an outsider, desperate to get back in. She's not on the show anymore. She's not involved in filming, really. Like, I can kind of vent to you about these girls because you've lived it kind of thing. Do you know what I mean? Like, I, I almost don't even feel like it was malicious venting. I feel like it was more like, oh, my God, filming has been crazy, Brandy. How did you do it kind of thing? Right. You know, like, it doesn't, I just don't, Denise doesn't strike, well, Denise did, like, get in the car after Erica's and just go fucking ham and talk shit, but, like, (laughs) I don't know, I just, I just feel like it, in my mind, it was more of a, like, talk me off the ledge, this is crazy, like, Mm -hmm. this girl's crazy, she's nuts, she came for me, this was insane, like, you know, she's fake, like, just, like, that, you know? Right, right. Exactly, and, like, it just doesn't make sense that you would give Brandy more ammunition against you if you wanted right. her to keep a secret. <laughs> like, it doesn't make any sense. Right. Um, so, uh, I'm confused about Brandy's intentions. It seemed like Brandy really wanted to paint herself in the as a victim in the sense of, like, I would never have hooked up with Denise if I had known that it wasn't, like really cool with Aaron. Um, Another thing that doesn't really make sense to me is like, why would Denise tell you if you guys hadn't spoken in months? Like, is that true that you guys had not spoken from April to November? Because why would all of a sudden she call you and then tell you all these things? Like it, things just don't add up to me in terms of Brandy's story. But that being said, I still believe that they completely hooked up. I just think it's too, I think it's too elaborate of a, it's not in Brandy's, like, like, Brandy is not a Viva dresser. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, Brandy is not the girl who will cook up a long, convoluted, like, like, detailed story that mm-hmm. isn't true. Like, she's crazy, and I think Brandy misinterprets a lot of her interactions a day you know what I mean um but she doesn't strike me as the kind of person who would like concoct a big huge elaborate story to like get a scene in Kyle's room while she packs like I do think I believe her I believe that a lot of what she thought happened was probably misinterpreted because everything with Brandy is always misinterpreted she always Brandy's like whole gig is she, she needs like a whole next day of filming to explain everything she did the night before like she had to like explain all of her behavior at the party the night before Mm -hmm. um but yeah i don't know i think that it happened i think that there are loose ends in the story because it's brandy telling it but i do think that it happened and i think had brandy not like been pissed off by denise she probably would have just like forever been like quiet about the fact that Denise is very different when they're not filming mm-hmm. but then because Denise pissed her off she was like well guess what she's actually fake as fuck like this is not who she is on like off camera right I, I totally like I think Denise did something that made her mad yeah and I think we're gonna find out what that is but yeah something happened that wasn't just like oh she tricked me into fucking her right (laughs) yeah like it's just you know and brandy like 
I mean, I could totally see Brandy being the one that probably even initiated that, being like, you know what I mean? And not even realizing that she was initiating it because she was probably fucking, can you imagine how drunk she was? Right. Can you imagine how fucking drunk Brandy Glanville was during all of what was happening? Oh my God. Right, because we saw her on the Wilson Phillips stage. <laughs> Let's see. <laughs> and falling over. Like, yeah. <laughs> when she fell back and twisted her leg in a way I've never even seen a human's leg go, and her full little butt cheeks and vagina came out, I was like, oh my God. It's been a while. Forgot about Brandy. <laughs> like, Kristen Doty needs to watch that as a cautionary tale because that is, <laughs> like, she's on the road to being that for sure. That's so true. That's very, very true. <laughs> oh my God. Little gazelle just like on the ice, just <laughs> in a haze. Um, okay, so, another thing that I want to bring up is that somebody found more receipts in which Brandy did a podcast. I don't think it was her podcast. I think it was somebody else's. Maybe it was hers. But she said, she was describing that time with Denise and said that she actually had rented or booked a hotel like across the way from where Denise was staying. And then she was talking about how it was like a brothel turned into a hotel. The insinuation being like that she stayed there. So I'm just like really confused because when she said it on the show, it was like she didn't have a place and Denise talked her into just staying with me. Like just stay with me because I already booked a place. Right. But on the podcast, it was like, oh, I had a place booked and I stayed there the whole time. So, you know, what is the truth? What is the truth? (laughs) Only uh, we need a Yanla on the show. Is a Yanla needs to be holding a diamond, or otherwise we'll never know anything. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh! Okay, so we need to flash forward to 18 hours later. The ladies are on their way to Rome, except for Garcelle and Denise, who are in the car going to presumably LAX. Um, it's like very kind of foreshadowing where Denise is like, has clearly has no idea that Brandy had dropped this bomb. And she's like, oh, I saged the night before. She and Garcelle are having a very lighthearted conversation. And then we get the other side of things where Teddy, Kyle, and Rinna are in a car together in Rome. And Teddy says, hey, Denise has been talking shit about all of us. And... Here's another thing, and Rena's like, "Oh, Denise and Brandy fucked." <laughs> and they're like, "Yeah, right. yeah." <laughs> Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just five dollars. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Um, so, yeah, what do you think? We get a preview where, like, they have this whole dinner. Teddy is basically like, oh, we heard, Denise, that you've been talking shit about all of us. And also, Brandy told us that you guys hooked up. So, what are your predictions for what happens next? I feel really bad for Denise. I do. I do, too. It's not, like, fun to watch. It's not fun to watch because it's not genuine. Like, Mm -hmm. these women don't actually have any fucking problem with her. They're just desperate to make a good show because their show has fucking sucked dick for two years. And that's not her, or for more than two years. And that's not her fault. Yep. I agree. It's not Denise's fault that you guys don't know how to fucking put a show together anymore. And that, like, somehow this turned into, like, a a vintage Alexander McQueen fashion show. Like, that's (laughs) not her fault. And to just make her... They're all just so desperate to make somebody the scapegoat. Like, you know, they, they all tried with Kyle. Yeah. And like Denise even tried with Kyle earlier in the season. And it didn't, it's never going to work because Andy lives inside Kyle's fucking rectum. So it's like not going to happen. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? And like, I don't know. It's just like, I hate that they're doing this to her because it's like, it's just so petty and gross and weird to watch and she's not good at defending herself so she's gonna sit there at this dinner table while erica is in a full is erica wearing netting on her face or did i make that up i mean probably <laughs> like did i see erica in a full like madonna take a bow like <laughs> matador netting moment i was like what is happening but no i'm like i this is gonna be insane she's not gonna defend herself she's gonna walk off from the dinner like, she's going to fly across the country or the, across the world right now to be yelled at at a dinner table for two days. <laughs> right, right, right. Here's Here was my thoughts on this. Like, okay, I knew last season when they were able to get LVP out and then Kyle was going to be, like, the de facto, you know, legendary mother of the House of Beverly Hills. She, there it was, something bad was going to happen. Yeah. Because... Beverly Hills doesn't work when all the women get along. And so Kyle's thing was like, oh, Lisa's the evil one. She's the liar. And everybody else, me and Dorit and Teddy are all going to try and get her out. And then next season is going to be so great and we're all going to get along. And it's going to be just like, oh, fashion, fashion, rich, rich, rich. We're all friends. Yes. But that was never going to work because when you get the bad one out, they all turn on each other. Exactly. And I think in the beginning of the season, it started to be Kyle that they were turning on. And so Kyle was able to somehow redirect, like Denise kind of handed them all the ammo that they needed, that Kyle needed to like turn this on Denise. Right. then it becomes, oh, Denise, I had to run out of Denise's house because she got mad about talking about her sex in front of her children. Brandy handed her everything she needed to be like, oh, Denise is now the villain. And I, it makes me so mad. 
It's ridiculous. It's fucking absurd. Like, and like, they all comment about how like, you know, she doesn't, she runs off. She, you know, she walks away. She doesn't like to open up to them, like blah, blah, blah. And it's like, as much as I love Erica Jane, you you are sitting with a literal mannequin. Like Erica Jane walks <laughs> off all the time. She never shares anything. She never engages any of them in conversation that she doesn't like want to engage in. Like if they bring up something difficult about her personality, she literally just leaves. So it's like, why is it why is Denise like so bad? I just don't get it. I don't get it either. And like can we go back to the beginning of the season where Kyle and her bangs were like wilding the fuck out every time she had to come to her, she would like lose her shit, screeching and crying, and like that like I half half have bronchitis when I start crying voice like uh, what are you yeah doing? like yeah <laughs> it's the Richards crying voice there's <laughs> <laughs> a trademark voice um. I I don't know how she did it. She's an evil genius. And I'm she so about it. Because Denise is never going to be a classic villain. She's just not. Like you no, can't no. She's just not. No, she's not. And I hate that she was even I almost hate that she was even like that they entertained the idea of her being like that she was being brought into this show to bring some sort of like former like sex kitten bad girl thing because it's not at all she is a home goods mom like (laughs) like she's not she's not her fucking character in wild things on housewives she's not right not who she is like it's not ever who she's gonna be she's never gonna be kenya moore on this show like she's not you know no she's like listen i've stacked up my little 90s film coin I want to live in Malibu. I want yeah. a hot idiot. Yes. And I want to raise my children and, you know, probably eat a lot more carbs than you guys could ever dream of. Exactly. I'm going to I'm gonna be on One Life to Live or whatever the fuck. She's bold and beautiful, whatever it is. And just live my life. And I want that for her. And I'm just so angry that, like, all of these women have gotten on board to make her the villain because I think that they know she's not they just don't want the target on their back yeah exactly they don't want the target they know that she's not the villain and they know that she isn't as like she you know she's not Lisa Vanderpump she isn't as like well equipped that she's gonna wiggle her way out of it like she's going to do all the things that she shouldn't do Mm-hmm. yep you know and I hate that for her like I mean I, I guess I will say I wish there is a side of Denise that I know that she's like hiding and like, I wish that she would just lean in like, Mm -hmm. and just allow herself to fully be herself on camera because the only, the reason that the girls come for her is because they can smell that. Like they can like sniff out that she is trepidatious about filming. She's cautious about what she wants to say in front of the cameras. Like they can tell and they're Mm -hmm. like feeding off of it. So I wish that she would just lean in and be totally Denise, unapologetic, and, like, not give them the fucking ammo, you know? Totally. And I'm really curious to see how they spin this, because her fucking Brandy is like, who, what does this have to do with you guys? What, what, I know! What about that would be something that they should be upset about? Why do they? It's crazy. 
Like, what does this have to do with any of you people of her hooking up with a woman who's not even really on the show anymore? Like, what does it matter? Why do any of you care? First of all, like, A, Lisa Renna, are you going to sit here and act like in your 30, 40 year career of you white knuckling it to stay relevant in Hollywood that you haven't like fucked a girl at some point? Or been in a situation where you've like been with a girl. I don't believe it. Right. I don't believe it. Kyle Richards, you are a fucking Hilton. I will remind you every 10 minutes until you like you are a Hilton. Your mother was big calf or whatever. <laughs> I you know, it's like, come on. Like, is this really that big of a fucking deal? Right. Ugh. This is this is but this is where I wish Denise would just be like, yeah, I fucked her. Like, yes, we had sex. But I guess she can't because of her husband. I guess, I guess not. I'm just very stressed out about how this is all going to unfold because it seems like Denise plays it all wrong. You're right. Like she should just be like, yeah, I did. So yeah. Ordering for appetizers. <laughs> like take it away from them. Exactly. Take it from them and don't let them, don't like allow them to turn it into a whole dinner party thing. Like be like, yeah, we had sex. It was amazing. She went down on me. It was incredible. I'm so, I'm so, the memories of it are amazing. Thank you girls so much. <laughs> Like, thank you. Like, <laughs> uh, I just, I just hate this for everybody. I really, really do. Mm. I do too. And I, you know, I think that those girls are just like, I think that it's interesting. Like Beverly Hills is interesting because it's like we're all just watching them try really, really, really hard to figure out how to make their show good again. Mm-hmm. That's what this is. Like, nobody watches this show really and thinks like, "Wow, this is riveting." It's like you watch thinking like. Now what are they going to do to try and make the show good? Because it's not good. You know what I mean? So they have to like do all this wacky shit to try and make it good. And it's just so silly. Like watching all of their failed attempts. I was actually laughing earlier at like, like I feel like Dorit does that a lot where she tries to like latch on to anything anybody says to try and make it a moment just desperately. Mm -hmm. And uh, earlier in the season when they like went to dinner and Sutton said she was going to freak out. Uh-huh. <laughs> it was like, when you said freak out, I said, what does that mean for her? What is freak out? Like, girl, what are you talking about? What is this show anymore? Like, uh, your major storyline is that you're going to renovate a room <laughs> at a fucking a chain Italian restaurant. Like, like, Oh my God, you are decorating a Buca de Beppo. <laughs> I can't. I can't. I cannot. Um, so my final question for you is next season of Beverly Hills, who are we keeping and who are we letting go of? We're, I mean, Teddy, we're cutting the fat. Teddy has got, it's enough, Kyle. Let her go. it's okay to pull the plug let it go let go of teddy stop protecting teddy's contract enough seriously his g2g um who else is i mean sutton is obviously we'll never hear from her again and that's fine fine you know um brandy glanville needs to come back as a housewife and i think Angie Cohen needs to let go of whatever resentment he has for her, for her telling him to fuck off and fuck you on camera. Let it go. 
Brandy's great TV. We need her. I'm more riveted by these past couple episodes than I have been in two years. Thank you. And I think that, uh, I think that that's, yeah, I feel like everybody else is kind of like secure, right? Yeah. Unfortunately, like there's no getting Kyle out of here. No, 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 no. No, (laughs) Kyle is the Wizard of Oz. Let that dream go. Um, Would you call upon the power of Kim Richards again? I love Kim Richards coming in as... I like Kim Richards coming in as, like, the Kramer. (laughs) I don't think Kim needs to hold a diamond. I don't think it's good for her to hold a diamond. Right. You know? But I do love when she shows up. It's great. Kim gives used to give like white lady shade on par with the Atlanta housewives. And like, I lived for it every time, but you're right. She, it's not healthy for her. It's not good. It turns into a whole Dr. Phil kind of thing. I don't like that. Yeah. You know, you're right. <laughs> so, um, yeah. T- I mean, I com- constantly forget about Teddy. Teddy tried to be funny this week by posting a screenshot with her dad. Did you see that? They did. Okay. What did they call? He was like, "Oh, Dennis Richards, never heard of him." Uh, okay, <laughs> very funny, Teddy. Like she, <laughs> she was, she was giving us everything with that. Like, <laughs> yeah. Teddy went from being like, like I used to enjoy just like kind of laughing at, at Teddy, and like. <laughs> You know, her, like, uptightness and her, like, not knowing how to dress herself and, like, coming downstairs in, like, full single white female Kyle Richards, like, drag. And I used to think all that stuff was, like, funny. But now I'm like, girl, it's enough. Like, you, it's like, I feel like she herself should even bow out. Don't even let them fire you. Just leave, you know? leave. Yeah. like, like, Derek Barry coming back on All Stars 5, who was like... (laughs) I'm going to be a whole new person. I'm not going to be Britney Spears. And then yeah. out in an exact Britney's replica Britney Spears outfit. So <laughs> play for you, the VMA performance. And it's like, what? I know. God, don't even get me fucking started on Derek Barry. He keeps me up at night. <laughs> Derek and India. Oh, I'm so mad at India. I cannot stand India. Oh, can I just say really quickly, just for like so that this is like recorded somewhere, that Wait. Derek Barry, Derek Barry just looks like he was born with the gift of just having Britney's slanted eyes, and that's yeah. a, and he's a fan, and that's amazing. Derek Barry is a horrendous Britney Spears impersonator. He can't dance. You would think that it over at some point he would learn one of her dances, since that's, <laughs> you know what I mean. Right. So you've not even bothered to learn the oops choreography. We all know that from fucking seventh or sixth grade. You don't even know how to do the oops dance. <laughs> Give us some entertainment, sir. I just want to make sure that that's like on some record. Yeah, it's like in muscle memory for me. Like I can right. do it at any moment. <laughs> Kara, yes, thank you. <laughs> if I had to like pick between Barry. <laughs> A free show of Derek Barry and like a like a five hundred dollar show of Tara from Little Women LA. I'm oh I'm my funny. God. Tara. 
that's the you just peaked on your own podcast. That's the funniest thing you've ever. You'll never be funnier than what you just said. <laughs> it's a, it is absolute truth. Oh my god! What a dream to talk to you, Troy. I could do it every day. <laughs> no, thanks for having me on. This was so fun. I got a, a lot of a lot of stress. <laughs> Tell everybody where they can find you. Um, you can find me. My podcast is called Dunzo. D U N Z O exclamation point. <laughs> um, and yeah, I'm. It's just Dunzo on all the things on iTunes and uh, Stitcher and all the stuff. Um, I'm just on the internet at Troy McKeady, M-C-E-A-D-Y. And uh, yeah. Love it. Loving your Whitney Houston series. Everybody run to listen to it. Thank you very much. Yeah, I'm doing a 30-part series on the life of Whitney Houston. (laughs) (laughs) Love it, love it. Okay, I will talk to you soon. Absolutely. Also, by the way, you and I are recording a Being Bobby Brown episode together, so that that's a thing yeah. that's happening. Yeah, so check that out on the Solid Listen Patreon. Yeah. It's going to be great. Uh, love great. you so much. Bye, Kara. Love you. Bye.